Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And also Thomas P. Dorian. Yes, sir. The P stands for Patrick. Yes, it does. I'm so happy you were all here together. What? It's been a while. We had a, we had an extended uh, series that we did with Leah Baker Jacobson. I said Baker because that's it's her. Becker. Leah what? Leah Becker Jacobson. Is yeah. it Becker? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> or just Leah Jacobson. But I know, but her because her Facebook. Yeah. I, that's where I got the B part. I just of realized that. her initials are LBJ. That never occurred to me until just now. You know, LBJ <laughs> and Leah Jacobson have never been in the same room at they the same time. Not. And they, so I'm thinking maybe that that's she's actually LBJ. <laughs> anyway, we have gotten way off the beaten path because we have something to celebrate. We do. We are celebrating the Queenship of Mary. This is a beautiful feast. Uh, that follows the assumption of Mary, mm-hmm. right? So we, Mary is crowned Queen of Heaven and Earth, right? It's our uh, uh, Rosarian uh, mystery that we uh, that we celebrate in the glorious mysteries, and uh, follows after the assumption. And so this uh, this feast day is a beautiful opportunity for us to see the queenship of Mary. And you now Mary is 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 unique in our church that she's a creature, and basically. She's got more feast days than any other person. She does. Other definitely. than the, well, I mean, Jesus. Yes. Right? He is a person, of, a divine person of the Holy Trinity, right? But, but uh, so if you count every Sunday. But in terms of his. creatures, yes. Yes. She has the most. I mean, it's a bunch of feasts, right? And so many devotions and so much is focused on Mary. And you think like, well, we just had the assumption, so why do we now have to have uh, the, the queenship? I, oh, I'm sure some of our separated brothers and sisters who are listening are like, oh, man, they're going to be talking about Mary's queenship for 30 minutes. No. What's going on? Yeah. yeah they I mean, might some, be of them, some of them might be interested, but some of them might be like, why are they putting a crown on her? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There could be some who just find it frustrating. Be like, yeah, we get she's great. I'm, you know, no objection. We're, I'd give her a hug in heaven, but they're, right, they're we're not gonna, ready to honor her as queen. We're going to let you guys have that assumption thing. Right. So <laughs> she's up there. But do you got to stick a crown on her? <laughs> and it's like, well, we didn't stick the crown on her. Right. Right? We didn't do that. No. We didn't elect her queen. Right. Uh, we're going to take nominations. Uh, Tom Dorian's wife, Cindy, is a nomination for queen. <laughs> uh, uh, and the Virgin Mary. So, you know, right. so those were our two, you know. And it's like, like homecoming. We, we, actually, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't vote um, on, on this. Uh, this has been part of God's plan of salvation. Right, and we had uh, we had imagery, we had these um, uh, ideas that this might be coming or that this happened. Uh, you know, as you look in Scripture, you look in the twelfth chapter of the Acts. Or, I'm sorry, Book of Revelation. Yeah. Right, and and there there's this image of Mary, a woman clothed with the sun, mm-hmm. with a crown of stars, twelve stars around her head. You know, so it's like okay, sounds like a queen. It's a crown. <laughs> You know, and uh, and we we Catholics can make a really, really, really good scriptural case, uh, historically and scripturally, that that's Mary. Oh, that that yeah. image is there, helping us to see uh, to see Mary. And so there we have it. I mean, you know, the scriptures tell us that she's the queen. I mean, right there in Revelation twelve, they flee to uh, Egypt, 
right? What happened with uh, after Jesus is bo- was born? Fled to Egypt. They fled to Egypt, and then you know the dragon. It said pursued the woman and tried to devour the child. It couldn't get to the child. Couldn't get to the woman, and so it said. So it made war on the rest of her offspring, which is those who bear witness to Jesus and obey his commandments, which would be Christians, right? And right. so at that point, you know that that's also a proof of. Mary is mother of Christians, but I mean, if you look at it, the flight to Egypt is captured right there. I mean, how you really would have to twist the scripture. The plain reading of the scripture there is that it's Mary, and she's got a crown. Yeah, no. So we can go ahead and say she's she's queen. And but 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 it is something we need to ask. Like, sure. Why is it important that she's a queen, and why do we need to look at that? I mean, first of all, I, I know that most people will see a connection between the Holy Family. And living in the idyllic family, like so, our own families should be patterned after the holy family, yeah, right. And so, seeing Mary and Joseph and the little baby, and you know, and seeing that uh, this is our hope and our salvation in this this family. And so, what's nice for Catholics, though, and with the queenship of Mary, is that we can look and say, like, hey, we got royalty in our family. I mean, what if you found out like your second aunt twice removed was like a princess? Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I'm digging that. You know, maybe I'll get invited to Buckingham Palace or something. I don't know, but 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 there's something about having uh, something so great, like right there in your family, like the access. You know, what if uh, some of our separated brothers and sisters might be saying, "Gosh, okay, I get it," but this just seems like it's coming out of the blue. All of a sudden, she's got a crown in her head. You Catholics are always about talking about the old being, you know, prefiguring the new. Is there anything in the Old Testament that points to a queen? Yeah. You you you've got to ditch some of the anger. You're like the most <laughs> you're the angriest Protestant I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> Sam, I'm just messing with you. You know, we can look at the Old Testament and we can see some interesting interactions. Um, and one of the ones that I love is uh, the, the story uh, back from uh, uh, First Kings, where we have uh, David and Bathsheba, right? And we have this stuff going on, and 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 we have uh, King Solomon, David making King Solomon king, right? Right? And we have Bathsheba, uh, you know, actually pleading on behalf of a guy named uh, Adonijah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're not going to go into the whole story of what he was. Read, uh, read First Kings, start around uh, the first chapter, verse twenty-eight, and go like into the second chapter, and you'll you'll see the whole story. But basically, when Adonijah needed something, he didn't go to the king. Right. Um, the king had uh, had this uh, throne brought in, and his mother sat at his right. Yes, and then it's it's so funny what it what it says um, here. You know, Beth, uh, Bathsheba uh, went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah, and the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. And then she said, "I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me." And we skip a little further, um, and the king said to her, "Make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you." Whoa! Mm. So there's some there's some precedent here, and a lot of people don't realize the queen mother, uh, throughout all of history, has a lot of authority or a sway, 
Right. We'll say sway with the king because the king's not going to turn his mama down. Well, so and the part of Christianity is to make the eternal, the the house of David, right, eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Jesus is reigning. It's it's the it's the house of David. Yes, is reigning in the sky here, right, in the in the in the celestial court. And if you're going to have Jesus sitting in that line of David as king, um, well, it comes with the queen mother. Amen. <laughs> and Jesus has a mother, and it's Mary, mm-hmm. and she's the one who is wearing the tw- the crown. Like, right, <laughs> right, Revelation right. twelve. So she's so she's got a crown. And think about it. Um, who who did they the the the, the wedding feast at Cana? Mm. Who did they go to? Right. Did uh, Jesus shows up right and at the wedding, and they didn't go to Jesus. They went to the Queen Mother. Right. Right. They went to his mom and said, "Hey, we've run out of wine." And it's important if you look at the text there. Jesus says. Woman, what do your concerns have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. So in that moment, that's very telling. He's saying, this is not my concern. These are your concerns. My time has not yet come. And she doesn't try to push or anything like that. That's not her style. She just, she laid out. And do you think she had a look, though? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that, that mother's look? It would, it would have only been love, but it's like... Come on, Jesus. But you know, I've heard people, people say it's the perfect ap- approach to prayer because you're laying your needs down before the Lord. You're saying, I have no wine. You know, you're laying the needs down before the Lord and he's going to fulfill it or he's not. But what does she do? She goes back to the wine stewards and says, do whatever he tells you. So she had a sense that he was going to do something yeah. and that obedience to Jesus was the path of bringing about And that's miracle. something all of us see. So the, one of the uh, great things about all these, um, uh, the dogmas of Mary, uh, and there's a, a fifth dogma of Mary that's been sort of added, and that's Mary's mother of the church. And this is important for us to understand because we have royalty in the family. Yeah. Right? So we have a queen mother to go to. And so... When Mary says that to the wine stewards, do whatever he tells you, those are some of the wisest words in the scriptures. And and they come straight from the queen mother. And so we need to pay attention and we need to do whatever Jesus tells us. Well, one of the reasons that the, the, queen, of the, the queen mother of the house of David became a position and, and was sustained as a position uh, throughout the, the, the many, many kings who, who reigned on that throne on earth was because it was understood that the queen mother would have the best interests of her son at heart. And we see that embodied in Mary in the wedding at Canaan. So, you know, so now that we've got a, uh, we've got a, a you know, a, we got royalty in the family, right? So the queenship of Mary, someone who uh, is uh, like essentially on our side, right? I mean, I love the things about Mary that, that are so practical that some of our separate brothers and sisters don't understand how we treat Mary but like you know how like a mother, uh, if she's our mother, how a mother. Uh, you've heard the old expression of "face only a mother could love." Well, she's the she's the mother. She loves us, and she's queen of all creation. Right. So our the queen of all creation is our mom, and desires a tender relationship with us. I know, and that's I mean, and and so we see witnessed in nature how that works, and that's how much she cares for us, um, you know, and our soul. Right, she loves us as a mother. She loves we because we have. A, if you look at our souls, sinful, right? Right. It's a it's a, a soul only a mother can love. And, right, and, the queen mother. And there's an important point, by the way, that Saint Louis de Montfort makes <clears throat> that I think is important to make here, which is he says Jesus is king by nature and by conquest. Mary is made queen by grace. 
right? So that's the big difference. Jesus is God. Mary is a creature. She's made queen by grace. Now, what's the path to that? Her humility. We see it's a theme throughout Scripture, especially within the New Testament. The the fiat, let it be done according to your word. Well, that's an example of extreme humility. So is obviously what we just described in, in the wedding at Cana. But... By it was by her humility that she was exalted. God exalts right. the humble, right? And so it's because of her extreme. Her humility was so extreme that she was given that mu- that place of extreme honor. Amen. And yeah. her humility humiliates Satan. Saint Louis de Montfort. Yeah. So says. let's talk about that because it's like so. So whoop de do. We got a we got a queen. You know, we got a relative who's a queen. We got somebody we can go to who's a queen. Well, how does that? What, what are some of the great? Uh, things that we get, to, the benefits we get, especially when it comes to like, spiritual warfare, combat. What does the devil think of Queen Mary? So, in terms of, uh, so the devil knows that he's a creature, right? And so he gets the fact that he's, you know, God can blink him out of existence at any time. He can't actually, like, beat God, right? But the notion that this human creature is given a position higher than him is extremely humiliating. And her humility being the thing that got him her that position where his pride was the thing that dethroned him, her humility humiliates him. Now, with her queenship comes dominion and comes sovereignty and comes power that uh, including dominion and sovereignty and power over all the angels including the fallen ones and this is from saint louis de montfort makes a great point of this that she has absolute coercive power over the demons so literally like when she you know one of the apparitions uh, is uh, of our blessed mother is our lady of sorrows one and you know she typically gives promises with each apparition yeah with the our lady of sorrows apparition she says i will stop any evil spirit activity in your life and someone will be like, well, how can she do that? Well, she's queen of all creation, which includes the angels, which includes the fallen angels. So literally, she, by the, by the virtue of her sovereignty and her sovereign power, can literally just block any evil spirit activity. See, and that's not something a lot of people pay attention to. So when you're, we're, we're praying, you know, uh, when we, got, we feel like there's some kind of evil, something going on, and, you know, we, we don't first go to Mary and think about there's something good there. I mean, we, I know we've done some shows about uh, Joseph. Can you imagine like growing up in the household with the terror of demons and and Queen Mary, you know, who, who has power over all creation, over all the demons, all the evil, right? And so you've got I guarantee that, that Jesus didn't grow up in a haunted house. <laughs> Nobody could come in there and do any of that stuff. There's so much. Can you imagine the, the, that, uh, that, that force against evil? It can't stand. Well, if you read interviews by exorcists uh, or listen to them on YouTube, Catholic exorcists, a lot of them report that uh, the person who's possessed during the course of the possession, they'll report various saints coming in. A lot of times they won't say them by name. They don't like to say their name. They'll describe them. It'll be obvious who they are. Hmm. But it is a, it, it is over when Mary shows up. When Mary shows up, they freak out. And uh, and they definitely don't say her name. And, uh, yeah. so, and in fact, that Our Lady of Sorrows that we just mentioned, that's actually the primary devotion for many exorcists yeah. precisely because of that promise to block evil spirit activity. And they will oftentimes, they will ask, in, at seeking her intercession, that she may send tears uh, upon the person who's, who's possessed. And mm. that that's game over right there. 
and also, I guess it's nice to know that Mary is Queen of Heaven because um, essentially, if we need something in terms of her role of as as I mean, you know, essentially Queen Intercessor. Yeah, I mean, she's she's essentially the Queen, and she's sitting. And I mean, if you're looking at the image there from from Kings, and you're looking at King Solomon and Bathsheba, I mean, he's she Mary is sitting at Jesus's right hand. Right. And so there, there she is. So if you need something, I mean, no one's stopping you from going straight to Jesus. So if you want to pray straight to Jesus, you can. But the honest truth is the way I always explained it is Jesus has, he's human as well as divine, right? So he's got, if he's fully human, he's got two ears. So you can be praying in one and she's whispering in the other. Well, I like it. I hate to beat a dead horse with St. Louis de Montfort, but it's a primary devotion of mine. And one of the things that I love about... I, don't call him a dead horse because that's not... <laughs> That's not appropriate. He is a saint. He's a holy saint of God. <laughs> Nay, I'm just kidding. No, sorry. No, no. no absolutely. Um, I the he says something that uh, I think is is uh, super important, which is the whole purpose of Marian consecration. You're you are giving her authority over everything that you have authority over, including your prayer life, and so the prayers that you lift up thinking you know what's going on in your life and what you need, you're giving her permission to take that prayer and change it. Yeah. And you're giving her permission to step into your life. Uh, and, and, and basically, you know, she's got, she's been given this, uh, this, this place as queen of heaven because her stewardship cannot be outdone. Yeah. You know, and she's the ultimate, you know, creature steward. And we are benefits beneficiaries of her stewardship and consecrating ourselves to her. And so, what you know, that's when it becomes an advantage. If I, mom, I need help, and the, we don't even realize there's evil spirits, you know, that yeah. are on the attack in our life and are bringing about this or that bad thing. She has absolute coercive power. She boom, she can put a stop to it, whether we realize we need to ask for it or not. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say, uh, so I'm sold. I, I like. Queenship of Mary, I think that's an awesome thing, and it's a it's a good and holy thing. Uh, but I do know that there are some of our separated brothers and sisters who would have a problem, and they would point to Scripture and say, "Look, if you want to pull out the Old Testament, I can do that too." And they'll you know open their Old Testament, they'll go to the uh, prophet Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and they'll bring up a couple of verses there uh, in the uh, in the seventh chapter of Jeremiah. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. And then again, in the 44th chapter of Jeremiah, but we will do everything that we have vowed, burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out libations to her as we did both we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah, blah, 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 on and on. So it's like, that doesn't sound good. And so this is the Old Testament talking about queen, the queen of heaven's bad. And so why do you Catholics think that calling Mary queen of heaven is a good thing? Well, God is so eternal. There. <laughs> well, God's eternal, but Mary's a creature. So God always knew that Mary was going to take her throne um, and, and, and fulfill her calling in the plan of salvation. But, you know, she, in, until 2,000 years ago-ish, uh, she was, you know, hidden in the heart of God. Right. Right? And, but that throne was there. Like in the same way that Jesus said uh, when the, the, some of the apostles said, give us a seat, at your, a seat at your left and at your right. He said, you don't know what you're asking. What does that mean? It means those seats have already been taken. 
You know, those seats have already been taken. So, um, and at the end of the day, you know, we see that one of the seats next to the, the, the king of the house of David is the queen mother, you know? And so it is actually Jesus honoring the seats that are there. And he hadn't yet taken his throne because he hadn't yet engaged in the conquest of, of, of his passion and, and resurrection yet. Um, and so those seats were waiting. And, and, and so pe- for people to go and, uh, you, know, the, you know, the devil, he likes to counterfeit things. Um, and so if the devil is going out there uh, trying to get people to worship him as a, fel- as a false god and saying, hey, hey, worship the queen of heaven. Um, and the queen of heaven hasn't yet taken her throne. That's a mockery of that seat. You know, of right. course it's going to provoke God's anger. So it wasn't a reference to what eventually came. It was a it was it was it was a it was a reference to, um, you know, a, a practice that at that time was completely wrong. Yes, I mean, there the, Mary isn't in the Old Testament in the the understanding that we have of Mary, right? Come to full uh, fruition, right? Yeah. But there are prophecies. There's lots of prophecies about, um, and certainly from the the Proto Evangelium back in the Book of Genesis, and we talk about the woman and. Uh, and these kind of things, uh, enmity between you and the woman as, as the Lord is talking to uh, the devil. And, and uh, Ezekiel has a prophecy about the gate not being uh, opened again and the Lord entering through the gate. And these are prophecies that some of the church fathers like uh, uh, Augustine would say, this is referring to Mary. right? And that's what we knew of Mary back then. So when Jeremiah is writing his, his prophecies, they're not speaking about the Mary that we know of. Um, but it also, even if uh, the, they, w- they were not making some connection between um, the the queen mother uh, that's queen, this is a pagan goddess that people are, whatever, uh, worshiping. But God in history has, has shown, and the church has shown, that uh, things that were involved in pagan worship, like you go to if you go to Rome and go to the Pantheon, which is one of the oldest Christian churches, you find out that it was built uh, what twenty seven BC or so. It's built before Christ, um, and essentially it was a, a, a temple to many gods. Pantheon. I mean, it's it's a temple to many gods, right? So it's taking something that was distorted and something that was askew and wrong, and then the church says, "Hey, we're taking it back." And we're going to reorient it. And we're going to make it right, and and so you start to see that like the um, uh, the, the the cross, right, makes the the tree in the Garden of Eight, uh, Eden good, right? The, the 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 knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? right? Eat this fruit and you will die. Eat the fruit on the cross and you will live. And you start to realize that essentially Jesus made everything right, you know, and and uh, Mary became the new Eve, right? Making Eve's first mistake. Right, and so in the same way, if we have married the Queen of Heaven, this is the rightful Queen of Heaven. Yeah. Whereas what Jer- Jeremiah is referring to is not the rightful Queen of Heaven, and the reason why we know this is because there's also a verse that comes right after uh, it comes well, it comes from the the prophet Daniel, uh, where we start to see um, uh, you know another phrase that's used because uh, if you say like well you can't the Queen of Heaven is bad. Because Jeremiah talks about you know offering up all these you know burnt offerings or whatnot to this queen this pagan uh, goddess, well, but at the same time, um, Daniel 
cause uh, he calls Nebuchadnezzar, who's a pagan king or a pagan leader, ruler, um, he calls him the king of kings. Right. So does that mean that Jesus shouldn't be called king of kings? Because scripture refers to him as king of kings a couple of times. Well, same thing. I think if you if the ancient uh, Israelites prior to to Christ's incarnation, if they developed a little pagan practice of worshiping uh, the God that they called the son of God and the God man, <laughs> but Jesus never took on flesh. I have a feeling that would provoke the anger of God as well. Right. Yeah. You know, like at the end of the day, that's just no, 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 no. It's Jesus Christ. You know, that's who we're worshiping. That's the King of Kings. And Mary always pointed us to Jesus. Yes. Right. My soul magnifies the Lord. Right. And those were her words that she's praying. And and, and, in the Magnificat, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Like, I bring Jesus closer. uh, uh, Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a magnifying class. And I, Mary, bring Jesus closer to you. It's like Mary's a magnifying glass. And my soul magnifies the Lord and makes him bigger and more impressive to you, right? Because bring and bring you closer to Jesus. She always leads us to Jesus. I mean, that's her role. I mean, even even in uh, um, Revelation 12, right? The whole idea that um, essentially she's standing on the moon. Mm. The moon is under her feet. Where does the moon get its light? From the sun. The moon does not have its own light. It reflects the light of the sun. In the same way, they didn't have all this astrology stuff going on and astronomy and all these different ways of looking at things. You know, astrology is bad, but but they 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 they, they didn't know the movements. They they studied that. They tried, but honestly, they couldn't have possibly known all that stuff back then when they wrote that that the moon reflected the light of the sun. So Mary doesn't have her own light. She's a creature. Everything that she has was given to her by God. And the grace is the key part that makes her uh, queenship so important to us, right? That she's exalted, that she's, she's held high uh, uh, for us to see. And, but also not just to say like, oh, isn't she special up there on that throne to intercede on our behalf because she's sitting next to the king. Well, and God's inviting us into a family and he's inviting us into a kingdom. And that's the, you know, people say, why, why, why are you going to the queen? And why are you going to the saints? Like, go to the saints, you're going to God's family. You go to the queen of heaven, Mary, you're, you're, you're turning to the kingdom as it's fully expressed, which is the eternal divided kingdom, which includes the queen. Mother. Royalty in the family. Hey! I know, which we got, we all got royalty. So, I mean, let's not just bring Mary out at these, uh, in, in our nativity plays, you know, and find some kind of little place to have Mary. She needs to be in our hearts. And she's, she's our queen, and she loves us. And so let's act now for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.